Welcome to season one of We Own the Table, and I'm your host, Tanya Burke. On today's episode, we have a special sister friend in the house. Her name is Jackie O, and I'm not talking about old nasses. Jackie is a former attorney turned tech guru. She's known as the digital nomad. Jackie has been traveling all around the world for the last 25 years, and she's doing it all with a young child, her young daughter, Ruth. Jackie's here to share some information about how we can do it all, too. You don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. All righty. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to We Own the Table, where we're not begging, borrowing, borrowing, or let me start over. Look at me. Welcome to We Own the Table, where we are not begging, borrowing, or stealing a seat because we own the table. And today I have our regular sister friend. Jackie O. Oh. Hey, hey. And Jackie, man. Okay. Wait a minute. If I, I can't, I can't tell y'all. Jackie's resume. Y'all think y'all out there doing some things? I I thought I was out there doing some things. But Jackie had me like <laughs> <laughs> with bad breaks and everything <laughs> okay jackie is out here killing the game i mean this woman has she's a former attorney you know she is the tech diva you know and she's doing these things all over the nation i mean you heard the introduction earlier but i mean that's just a, a taste of what this woman has been doing and i mean i just i'm just elated that she is a regular sister friend on the show because she's got some knowledge and some nuggets to be dropping on y'all and when i say nuggets i'm not talking about chicken and i'm not talking about catfish i mean jackie is dropping nuggets this woman she's traveling all over the world she is slow traveling all over the world with with okay peep this out with a toddler, okay? Her daughter, who is a toddler, her daughter Ruth, who is a toddler. So she's out here killing the game. And I mean, and she is living the best life to me. You know, I believe she's living the best life because, you know, I I can't even get myself to drive from Southern California to Northern California. And she is just all over the globe and she's teaching other black women she's teaching other sister friends 
and getting them to a point in their lives where they can do the same. So let's give a warm welcome to our sister friend, Jackie. Oh, girl, that intro, like, wow, I'm sitting here like, I'm impressed with myself. So, um, <laughs> you should be. I was like, wait a minute. I mean, she pioneered Russian in, in Africa. I mean, People can't even, I mean, there's folks out here that can't even, you know, they're not even going to, you can't even get them to co go to Costco and get a Costco membership. So, you know, <laughs> you out here just doing the doggone thing. And I mean, it's just, it's delightful to to see this and to, and, 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 and you know, we're joking and everything, but the accolades you truly deserve. And and it's great to see this, and especially within Black women, because we don't always in a Black woman, we don't always get to see. That's not the um, the image that we always see in mainstream media. And so I'm so proud to have you on our show. And like I said, you guys, Jackie is a regular sister friend on the show, and so we're happy to have her. And you know, Jackie, I mean. Just tell us, like, you know, I know we we learned a little bit about who you are, but who are you and, like, how did you get to this place? I mean, a professor? I mean, like, what I tell y'all? I mean, professor, not the nutty, but professor. Like, she has, like, I'm like, what hasn't she done? Now, I thought, you know, people call me the political badass, but I was like, this woman right here is the ultimate check badass of all. So, I mean. I'm here to learn. I'm you know, here. I, I am so, thank you so much. And I am so, I feel so blessed and so honored for the life that I've gotten to lead. I also have to acknowledge that I am standing on the shoulders and the backs of a lot of strong, amazing Black women who came before me. Like none of this would have been possible without their hard work, their perseverance, all of that. So I always want to acknowledge that. I'm a Yoruba girl, so I always give praise and respect to my ancestors because it's their blood that throws flows through me. It's their blood that they spilled in order for me to be able to have the life that I want to live. And I have also been very intentional about the life I've crafted for myself. I've never been afraid. And it's because I've been surrounded and supported by amazing Black women, women, particularly my mama and my grandma, who from a young age instilled in me, like, anything is possible for you. Like, don't just dream it, like continue to dream and continue to evolve. And it's like, people always like, you've done so many things in your life. And I'm like, well, there's no point in my life where when I've had a big epiphany and said, you know what, I wanna do something different. I don't wanna do that no more. I've always been supported by people in my life who said, well, go on, girl, go do it. You done practicing law, that's okay, bye. And you know what, I'm glad you said that, Jackie, cause that is very important. It's important to have, you know, that support and especially by other women, you know, having that role model and then having it early on. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, your daughter, she's a toddler, but I, I'm pretty sure you are already going in the same direction with her. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm making sure. And you know what, this is, I mean, we, we, we among sister girlfriends, so I'm gonna get hella personal here, but this is my second round at motherhood. I had another daughter who passed away when she was seven years old. I'm sorry to hear that. 
Thank you very much. And I, you know what? I did the same thing with her. And people, when she was, you know, younger, two, three, we were living in Indonesia. We lived in Ethiopia. I took on safari in Kenya. And people always say, she's so young. She won't remember any things. Like, wait, wait, wait till you're older. And what her death taught me and what grief has taught me is that tomorrow is not promised for any of us. None of us. And I think one of the things that helped me get through my grief was the fact that I had so many beautiful, amazing memories of her and with her and doing things with her. And I know that even though she only was on this earth for seven very, very short years, they were truly seven amazing and dynamic years. And she did more in them seven years than most people do in their whole life, which is beautiful, but it's also sad because I truly believe no matter what your religious belief is, that we were all put on this earth to thrive. Right? We weren't put on this earth to struggle, be miserable, to suffer anxiety, depression, all these things. We were put on this earth. We are beautiful creatures. Like we really are. Like one thing Charlton has taught me is that humanity is beautiful. I mean, there's a dark side of it too. But humans are beautiful people. They're kind. They're funny, different, they're unique. Everybody has their own unique talent. If you meet somebody and they open up and start singing and you're like, why can't I have a voice like that? Like, and you're just like, wow, like humanity is beautiful. And when we were at our best, like there is nothing better than us. I mean, you can see how we were, you know, God made us in his own image, right? Because like we have to possess all those gifts and talents and we are here to bless this earth with them. I mean, you know, you're so you're so right. You're so right. And I'm gonna be the first one to raise my hand about, you know, not taking that leap and taking that step and doing these things that you're talking about. And you're right, there's only one life that we're living. And I mean, you talk about, you know, you taking your young daughter at seven years old you know, on African safaris. I mean, I haven't even been to San San Diego Wild Animal Park safari, okay? You know, to me, um, the it's a big deal. Oh, we going over to the next state in Vegas, you know? So, like, and I thought I did something big. So, I mean, I just can't, I, I, I can imagine, but I just have never taken that leap and that step of just, taking the chance and just just going out there and, and and just taking that all in and just like like you've been doing just traveling and learning so much it's got to be just just i mean i know you have taken in so much with all of this travel and you know what it's amazing like the amount of love you see. Now, i grew up i grew up in the hood and I'm, i i say that proudly because i know the hood gets a bad rep but the hood i grew up in yes i grew up in during the the height of the crack epidemic, but I grew up around a lot of amazing people. I grew up in a very strong church. Um, so for me, the hood is a place that is full of a lot of wonderful and amazing memories, right? It's also full of a lot of people who like all they knew was a corner, all they knew was a stoop, right? But I was very, very fortunate and blessed. I had a mother and a grandmother. And I was just telling somebody the story this morning that my grandma grew up in rural Alabama. My grandma is the daughter of sharecroppers. When my grandma was look, when my grandma was growing up, there was no high school for black um, students. So my grandfather, my grandfather, my great grandfather was so committed to his daughter being educated that one, he never pulled her out of school when it was harvesting time. Never, not once. She always went to school and she had to do the eighth grade three times, not because she felt because there was no other school for her to go to. 
she wasn't able to get her high school diploma until she came up north. And so when I think about what she had to go through, when I think about even my mama, that old, but the fact that when my mama was growing up in the north, right, there was like parks she couldn't go to. My mama just didn't swim in the last couple of years. And like, I hear her on all the time. But the reason she didn't learn to swim is because she still grew up with Jim Crow walls, the pool, black kids went around. And, you know, there's a, you know, similarities there because, you know, my grandparents and parents um, from rural Alabama, Bonesdale, Alabama, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and were sharecroppers, you know, my grandparents and parents were, were sharecroppers. My parents as, as kids and teenagers were out there. And you're so right. It's like that adversity that they faced was also i think that push because like with you're saying with your mom and your grandmother it was it's been the same with my mother and my grandmother instilling in me that you know they have told me there is there isn't anything that should get in the way of anything that you want to do and so i you know i commend them um you know especially as black women who had to deal with the segregation that had to deal with the issues and you know with civil rights and being denied so much and you saying like your mom even taking on the task and conquering learning how to swim you know years and years later after the fact you know so i mean kudos to them kudos to you and kudos to you for instilling the same thing in your children well that's so important because again, I go back to, you know, my, my mom's American, my dad is, is Nigerian. And I go back to that connection to my ancestors and to the people who came before me. And to me, it's like, how dare I not thrive when I've been given all these opportunities that they weren't given. And they did pretty darn well for themselves, given the era in which they grew up in and what they were, quote unquote, allowed to do with black women. And even with black men, because I, I don't want to dismiss the impact that my grandmother had in my life. I mean, Same. Powerful, powerful, powerful man who tried to do the best he could with his family, given the limitations. I'm, my mom tells a story, you know, one of his dreams was to own a gas station. And he went 15 times to try to get a loan, right? But they, they wasn't giving loans to black people back then. They wasn't. And he worked and worked and worked so he could buy a house for his family. Um, and nothing was easy for him. And my grandfather easily worked 15 hours a day, 20 hours a day, et cetera, just to provide for his family. So I feel like I have very strong role models in the black people that I was surrounded with. Um, and again, they always encouraged me. And in that, even though, you know, when I'm, you know, I was first born, luckily I, ha you know, I have an international background in the sense that my dad is from Nigeria. So the whole idea of international was not necessarily something foreign to me. But my real first introduction was books. I remember my mom um, on her income as a social worker went and got me World Book Encyclopedias. And I looked at those encyclopedias and I learned all I could. Because like, you know, I grew up before Google. I grew up before the internet. Like, Mm -hmm. Libraries, and to this day, I'm such a big supporter. Every year, I make some sort of donation to public libraries because, in the same spirit of August Wilson, who's another Pittsburgher, that's where I'm from, 
Um, I went to the library and I learned and I studied. And that's why even now when people say, you know, where is Ruth going to go to school? Where is she going to learn, et cetera? And I'm like, I learned through studying, through living. I mean, yeah, a little bit, but let's be honest. Like, for the most part, traditional schools aren't designed to serve the needs of Black students. Like, they're yeah. not. Like, they're not. Yes. Uh, and my fierce advocate, my best teacher has always been my mother. Has always been her. And not the fact that she knew everything, but she always taught me to question, to be inquisitive, to learn, to be open. And that's what I'm teaching my daughter. And that's one of the reasons why, for me, it's so important to travel world because I don't ever want to get comfortable. Like, I always enjoy being comfortable with being uncomfortable and being and pushing myself and get outside of my comfort zone. Like, just I started in the last year learning Mayan weaving. No girl, you ever want to be a professional weaver? Do I even necessarily have a natural knack for it? But if I'm going to be in Guatemala, why not learn from a woman who's been doing it for generations? Yes. Yeah, I got some sort of dexterity in my fingers. My mom was like, mm, "Well, you're supposed to be a surgeon, so I don't know about this weaving thing." But you know what? I'm going to do that. And I think that it starts with even like small things, like. And I think for me, it was just so important, even as a kid, like reading books, having a garden. I, mean, I was composting with my grandma because, like. They try to make it seem like composting, environmental stuff, is some white people stuff. Nah, if you a black person, particularly a black person from the south, the south yeah, you've been using every part of the animal since exactly beginning. Yeah, yeah. you know what to do with your garbage. Like you know how to garden. Like yes, you know about anything anywhere. So um, these are all very much part of the African American tradition and definitely part of the African tradition. And I I think that people limit themselves and they also try to box black people in and say, oh that's not something black people do. Like mm -hmm. yes it is. Yeah, like <laughs> like yes it, listen, listen to your grandparents. I bet you they can tell you something about my grandma to go into our backyard and tell me pretty much every single plant that was in there. Now she might not know the species and subspecies a yes. Latin, but she knew what it was good for. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are right. You are correct about that. And, uh, you know, living in, like you said, the library, I lived in the library, had the, the, the encyclopedia, the world encyclopedias. And, uh, and I think it's, it's great that you mentioned that because we've come so far from that with technology and, and, you know, and I know that tech is your background as well. And we've moved from the whole like it's just totally changed and how it was before because we we couldn't have it at the tip of our uh, our fingers be able to find what we needed we had to go and get the car catalog and go and search and look for your book and and, uh, and all of that so um but coming full circle to you taking and embracing that introduction in your life from your your mother and your grandmother and your grandfather and getting that knowledge and then taking that in to where you are now. And, you know, and like I said, with this traveling the world and, and then slow, slow traveling. And I was like, slow traveling, like, okay, where have I been? What is slow traveling? traveling? And so, you know, you're talking about Google. I was hitting up Google University when I learned about slow. I was like, okay, where have I been? You know, because I was like, what is slow traveling? 
Like, how did she get to this? And 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 what is it? And and, and how do I be down? <laughs> so I was been I have been a serial expat for a long time. I got probably twenty five years at least. And, and I, I just say that to make myself sound a little bit younger than I am. Um, and, the, and the travel and the being a serial expat game. Like I'm in and out. Like Jesus. I feel like going somewhere for a year, two years, I do it. I have no limitations. But with slow travel, on average for my daughter and myself, we spend about six to nine months in one country. So when you think about going on a traditional vacation or um, traditional traveling, you may do a week, you may do two weeks, you go to Jamaica, you hang out. By the time you start to unwind, it's time to go back to the rat race again, right? Yeah. Yes. But for us, we go deep. So we spend time getting to know people. We get we rent an apartment or a house. Just really emerge in the culture. Like my daughter usually has a nanny in that country, so she gets fluent like that. Because you know, kids are sponges. Like like my daughter speaks Hill, which is a Mayan dialect. She got Spanish down. She got English. Like she's pretty good in her Yoruba. Like. She like she gets it down just because like when you that age I'm I'm 41 so I'm a little slower to get stuff but you know I, I'm not giving up <laughs> I'm not giving up so so your daughter has she has the truth because you know we have these school systems that do that that has introduced the immersion program but your daughter truly and as a toddler yeah. is truly immersed in all of these different cultures and is learning about the culture and learning the languages as well. I mean, you know, the, the village we were in in Guatemala was a small village of like 14,000. So, and most of the people are indigenous Mayans. So she just gets out there and plays with those kids just like nothing. And the beautiful thing about it is because we were spending 2019 and 2020 in Central and South America, she gets to see all the diversity of blackness in South and Central America too. I mean, I took her to Carnival in Colombia, in Barranquilla, home of Shakira. She got to see that like Colombia is almost all black. I mean, it's not what they show you on TV, but it's hella and it's black people. Like we were going to black towns, black neighborhoods where it was like, like some of the villages, some of the houses reminded me of being back in Nigeria. Um, and my daughter's getting to see this. So for, for her, it's nothing for a black person to be speaking Spanish. Like it, it's nothing. It's nothing for her to hop in, you know, here a Colombian, here Afro-Mexican, um, here Afro-Cuban, like these are all cultures that she is starting to know very intimately in ways that she, you will know if you just spend a, a, a week in Havana, right? Like you, you wouldn't get to see that. You see all the touristy stuff, but she, you know, she's going to people's birthday parties. Um, she's going to weddings, graduations, funerals, quinceañeras, like all that stuff, she's getting baptism. Um, and see, here I was thinking I was doing the doggone thing. Because, you know, my husband and I, we got married in Jamaica mm -hmm. and, you know, we did the destination wedding and we spent, you know, a, a, little, a little over a week. And so we were looking at folks like, hmm, like what you talking? We we got some international going on here. We went to Jamaica and got married. What can you say? You know, and, and here you are and just bust my little bubble. <laughs> Look, you still didn't done ninety percent of more than most Americans have ninety five percent. So, girl, don't don't say something. Going to is a beautiful thing. Look, I mean, I'm sitting over here, mouth all open, like, and I'm like, time close your mouth before you start drooling, because that's not a good look. But I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe all this is going on, and and I'm like, and 
you know, it, it just brings so much in perspective because, you know, I'm in my 40s. I, you know, this year I turned 45 and, you know, and also became an empty nester. So all of our kids are grown and doing their thing or whatnot. And, 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 you we tend to have these conversations of oh i'm going to go do this when i retire or when i you know do this or when the kids leave and and all of that great you know stuff but i mean i really feel like i am truly behind the game like i you know this is something i could have been doing you know right out the gate of you know high school or whatnot and and i'm like i got a lot of catching up to do like, how do you do it? How how does somebody that's interested in, you know, living this same type of life, how do they do it? So I always say all of my, you know, one-on-one -on -one clients, and I also teach a course, I always say the first thing is understanding your why, right? Like, be crystal clear on your why, because I'm telling you all the good things, right? Like, and it's an amazing life. I, I enjoy it. I would not live any other way at this point in my life. And like, I hope to be flexible, like, be open to when you need to right but you got to understand why like why do you want to live this life and, and what do you want to get out of it like for me i love learning i love cultures i love food i love tasting food i love Ooh, food. food girl <laughs> and i also love i also love spending time with my daughter and also part of my why is that i knew when i was working you know 15 hours a week I and mean, 15 hours not a week a day in silicon valley helping to build up startups like my daughter was being raised by nannies, that ain't cute. And I'm tired and I'm stressed and I'm not a good mother or well, I'm not the best mother I can be. And for me, I wanted to create a space. I wanted to create a profession. I wanted to create an environment where I could watch my daughter grow up, where I could like, she could act a fool and I'm not even blank because I'm in such a good space mentally and physically that I'm like, all right, totally gonna fall out. Like they going to, like, that's what they do. They test you, right? But if I'm not in a good headspace where I can deal with that, then I lash out. And that's not the type of conscious parenting that I want you to do. I want you to be in place, even now, even too. Like she understands a calm voice. It's very rare that I raise my voice at my daughter. But while I'm happy, I'm, happy, I'm complete in my life. And I also wanted to model that for my daughter. I wanted to be sure her to be clear that she can go after what she wanted no matter where she is in life like i'm i'm gonna be 42 years old this year and um and i own every bit of it because i don't want her to think that there's any point any decade in your life where you can't begin anew where you can't start anew where you can't completely switch what you want to do i've had multiple careers over uh, over the course of my life all of them have been successful all of them i could have done for the rest of my life yet i chose not to so the first thing i say is be crystal clear on your why. And then there's always those four Fs that I call them. Those are fear, failure, finance, and family. <laughs> Ooh, girl. And those are, that's usually the thing that holds most people back, right? It's either you got that right. You got that right. It's either family, nobody in your family been nowhere. They don't want you to go nowhere. You got kids. They want to say, Ooh, girl, don't go there. They're killing people in them bushes. Yeah. <laughs> They don't like black people there. No, if anybody in America tells you don't like black people there, like it's like, well, what country you living in? Like, you, you not watching news lately? Because they sure don't like black people here. So, um, so it's like you can't let that hold you back like this what is i'm a woman by myself like i could get raped i could get murdered again look at the statistics of black women in america who's getting raped who's getting murdered who's getting beaten in their homes 
I mean, you are you are throwing that. You are right. I mean, and and that's typically what you hear, even in the black community. When someone says, "Oh, I'm gonna do that," because I know my mama has been like, "Well, you better go over there." You know, like I'd have been up in Northern California in redwood trees, and she's like, "Girl, what's going on up in there?" You know, they kill people up in these woods. You know, so. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like, so you got you got to overcome that that obstacle, right? And it truly is being comfortable with your why, doing like your research, like understanding like the, the political and social realities of the countries you're going to or you want to go to. And then it's like finances. I think so often people think I can't afford to move nowhere. She's rich. No, I did extremely well for myself when I was in Silicon Valley. I'm not gonna lie, but it also costs a lot more to live there, right? Like, oh, yeah. I was living in North, that's North why North. they all running out of there now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. People are like, oh, you made six figures a year, but yeah, I spent it. You want to know? I spent five grand a month just on nannies. So, um, yeah. so like, it was super expensive. Here in Guatemala, I spend a thousand dollars a month max, and that's nanny, that's coke, that's beachfront, beachfront, <laughs> beachfront townhouse. Wait a minute. I need a moment. Okay. Okay. This is like we fishing. I'm gonna need you to roll back a little bit, like, like reel that back in. Now, what? Wait a minute. What? Say that. Say that part right there. Say that right there again. I live on a thousand dollars a month and I am falling. Again, I'm 41 years old. I ain't being uncomfortable. Like I ain't doing rat infested, uncomfortable bed. Like I live very well on a thousand dollars a month. And again, when I say very well, I mean I got a nanny. I got somebody who cooks my food. I live and watch the sunrise every morning. I go every morning and paddleboard with my daughter because we live right next to the lake. Um, I got no complaints whatsoever. A thousand dollars a month. A thousand dollars a month. And, I, and for most people, I am living a very extravagant money-wise life. And and we have people who are renting, you know, rat and roach infested garages. Not even a full apartment, converted garages for a thousand dollars a month. Yep. And I'm getting fruit, I'm getting fresh fruits and vegetables from the market every day. I go to the beach in the morning if I feel I'm a pescatarian, so all I eat is fish and seafood. I go to the beach every day and I wave down a fisherman and he brings his fresh fish that he just caught that morning. Fish still flopping, flop, 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 flopping away. In fact, that's my how my daughter thinks they get cooked. Um, and let me pick out what I want for the day. And for me, that's how I'm living. Like that is very comfortable for me. Like, right. And but this is I was very intentional about the type of life that I want to live for myself and for my daughter. And every country we go to, I try to recreate that in some sort of way, right? Be it a big city, be it a small city. Like, this is what I want for myself. I love being near water. So I'm very intentional about the cities we go to or near water, and I'm living near water. Oh my goodness, my husband's gonna see this episode because he is he loves water, he's like a fish. Okay, I call him Nemo uh, he loves the water, and I can just see him like seeing this saying, uh, pack up our stuff and let's go. No, it's been, it's been for me, it's been and pretty much every country, especially when you're in Central and South America, pretty much every country there. For $2,000 or less a month, you can live very, very well. Have a um, upper middle class 
slash luxury lifestyle, like no problem whatsoever. And I all again, because I only coach and uh, black women, I always say pretty much every black woman out there can figure out some kind of way to make $2,000 a month. You got that right. We're too innovative yes. for us not to be able to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, think about it. We do it for the companies and all these things that we work for, these agencies that we work for. Uh, so we definitely can do it for ourselves. And so it just all comes to like mindset and post, most people is saying, say, saying I can't, which a lot of people say, oh, I can't afford to do that. It's like, I can. And this is how the reasons I am. And I go through lots of exercises. Think of like 10 things that you just enjoy doing. I mean, I didn't met women out there who are just doodling birds and selling them online for 20, 30 bucks. And there's a whole market because you all know birding. Those birding people are, are serious about what they do. But there's just so many different things you can do. I got a woman who lives down the road for me who she just, there's lots of lots of birds in, in Guatemala. Like when they make beautiful sounds. She just records the sound of birds and sells them online. So if you, and that's it, that's it. And she's doing, look, she got her money a month. She's doing, she's doing very well for herself. Look, she gets up early in the morning, records like the bird sound. She got a little, you see her with her little microphone. Um, and she's doing well for herself. And I, so when I say you can get innovative about the way you make money abroad, um, you really, 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 and truly can um, when you think about it. And then, you know, some people want a regular you know, nine to five or whatever type of job. Particularly, I think the, the beautiful thing, if there can be any beautiful thing about COVID-19 is that it has taught people that they can work remotely. Yes, yes. I not work remotely from, I work remotely. I mean, I work for myself, but I work remotely from my desk overlooking a gorgeous lake. And, and when I start really getting with my clients and I'm saying like, I spend a thousand dollars a month. That's not what I make a month. I still pretty much on par with my San Francisco salary. So you know what the other part goes to? It goes to paying off my student loans because that's real for a lot of us, right? Oh, who you telling? I got enough to buy a small village or an island, okay? Paying off student loans, investing, putting in my 401k. Like I am chunking down. Like I will probably at the end of the year, I will probably have half my student loans. Cut them in half. And I'm talking about, I got about 135K worth of student loans. Yeah, I know you, a uh, uh, former attorney. So I know, I know you was racking it up. Yeah. Oh, I racked it up before. So I say, you know, it's not only it's not only a, a more for me, at least for my life choice, a more peaceful, more tranquil life, a more well rested life. Financially, it just made sense. It's like, why wouldn't I? Right? If I can invest in property, if I can invest in real estate while I'm living out my dream life and watching my daughter grow up, why not do it? Like, what do I have to lose? I mean, worst case, worst case scenario, and I always go through my clients with the worst case scenarios that I end up broke and back in my mama's house. My mama will always let me back in. Yeah, I hear you that. I hear that. Yes. yes. And look, and then I just start. I then start all over again. I, you know, I, I, my auntie, my great auntie was a domestic worker. My grandma was a nurse's aide. Like you think I, I don't. There is, there is no um, disrespect in scrubbing the toilets cleaning houses, doing what you got to do. I hear you. Like those to me are all very much respectable professions. And if I got to go back to doing whatever, but I'm, I'm, but I'm, but I've never been in that position. That's like worst case scenario, right? Like yeah. worst case scenario. And that has, that has never come to come to be like a reality. And so how do you, okay. How, how do you decide where, where you go next? 
So it's, I mean, so the beautiful thing about traveling and just meeting with people and connecting people, they always will tell you really cool places to go. Now I had been, I spent maybe five years ago, I was also in Guatemala before. So I already had kind of this love affair with Guatemala, with the people there, with the food there. And I knew the village that I was going to very well because I had gone there before for Spanish language school. So I knew I wanted to go back. I knew I wanted to expose my daughter to that sort of living young, you know, living off the living off the land, understanding the, the Mayan people based their calendar on the corn growing cycle. And as a Yoruba person, we are also very spiritual land oriented people. So I wanted her to kind of get that sort of solid foundation in terms of respecting mother nature, um, understanding like rainfall, rainfall patterns, um, respecting animals, all that stuff. Not that she couldn't have got that in in, in America, but it's, just, it's different here, right? It's the, and then kids just going out and playing, like the type of village where just kids are running up and down the street and like nobody's worried about like, you know, I'm a, I'm grew up in the milk carton era where like you don't let your kids go nowhere because that's how they end up on a milk carton, right? Like missing, and that just isn't like there's not nobody's heard of those things in this in this small village. Like not to say that it probably doesn't happen. I'm sure kids get molested and kidnapped everywhere, but it's it's definitely not it's not the norm. It's mm-hmm. not the norm at all. So for me, I do I usually when I'm thinking about where we're going next, and we're actually we're going to Mexico next. So I'll be in Mexico probably in the next two to three weeks. Again, because it's still in that theme of like Central and um, in South America, I will just start researching places based on what people recommend to me. There are a million groups on Facebook where everybody's talking about where they are in the world and how wonderful it is. And I usually have some intentions in mind, right? Like for me, I was like, I want my daughter to get a solid understanding and foundation in Spanish. Now, if she picks up some other languages, which she happened to do, then like more power to her. But I really want to her to get an understanding of Spanish. And then I also wanted to be in a place where there were black and brown people. And Central America provides that perfect opportunity and they also have this connection to Yoruba culture because most of these, 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 especially the black people, right, are descendants of West African. So mm-hmm. I, oh, I can look, I can go to you know a, a, a rural village in you know Brazil or Colombia or anywhere else, and I feel at home because the food is very similar to like what we're used to. Even some of their slang, like a lot of Cuban slang, is actually Yoruba words. So, and as I think to the future of where we'll probably spend like 2021, we probably will go somewhere on the continent of Africa, um, depending on how borders open up again, just because for me, it's also important that she has a solid foundation in Yoruba, the language, and also have connection to those people. And also just as African-Americans, as Africans and African-Americans, I never take for granted the blessing that I have, which is knowing my ancestral homeland, knowing mm-hmm. my ancestral roots. And because mm-hmm. my daughter has a great gift that most black people in America do not have, but you can actually go to the village where 500 years ago, people in my family farmed the land and have been farming ever since, colonized, like that is what my family has done for generations. So she can go there and she can look around at those, she can see people who look exactly like her mm-hmm. um i cannot ignore that blessing right like i have to give that to her like i have to let her see that experience that be that be a part of that um and really good opportunity to connect to her culture plus it's just your culture it's a, it's a beautiful culture um and once you start seeing it like the beautiful thing about me um and i think this is something i probably just really started to realize in my 40s is that it's such a blessing to be African and African-American. And I say that because I get to see the, both the best and the worst 
of both cultures. <laughs> but, but I also get to see like how similar African American people are to like their West African counterparts in particular. Like there's stuff that black people do that I'm like, y'all need to like y'all being hella. <laughs> Like you know, even like the way you say that word, like there's so many things, mannerisms, like there's so many things that like um just because black people in America have had their, their African heritage stolen from that they don't even realize it's just like uh oh. Jeez, like yeah, y'all don't even know, and I and I love seeing that and being able to kind of compare and kind of contrast. And I'm like, truly, truly, black people in America are and were the strongest Africans, right? They were like they they survived the Middle Passage, they survived all the atrocities of slavery, and there was nothing pleasant about slavery in America. I, I know like movies and stuff try to present it in some sort of way, mm -hmm. where like, there was nothing good about it, nothing good about Jim Crow. Like it was brutal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, black people survived, and not only really survived, but they created American culture. They are the foundation of the American economic system. <laughs> Look, oh, it is like there, there is no American culture except black culture. Yeah, and there's, there, and there's no American economic system <laughs> without black. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the wealth of America is built on free la the free labor of black people. Exactly, exactly. Uh, please don't. Yeah, yes, y yes. <laughs> That's a whole, that's a, that's a whole other, a whole other day, a whole other topic. I'm telling you right now, it's not up for debate. Like, it's yeah, much is it is what it is. And despite it all, right? Like, black people are still doing the most. And despite it all, black people are still fighting. And when I see that fighting, that that like black lives matter all those things i look at it and i'm like man like do black people realize like how badass they are like mm -hmm. they really like appreciate like everything we've gone through we haven't given up and we still demanding rights and then i look and i see other minority groups other ethnic groups like piggybacking off of our hard work and struggle and you know i, I i'm not gonna knock them for it but i'm like black people you led this and then you go around the world and you see how other groups have looked at our struggle for inspiration. You go to Ireland and you learn about the Irish history and how they were following like MLK initially in terms of like nonviolence and like all those things. You go to like West Africa and you realize all the West African leaders, most of them went to HBCUs. Right, and we're looking at some of the great thinkers here. You go to Paris, and you see the influence of all the folks from the Harlem Renaissance who went to, went to Paris and exposed them to jazz, and just see how much they love that, and see how it's influenced Afro-Parisian culture. Um, and you're just like, man, like Black Americans are like our culture dominates the world. And it just again goes back to like the strength of this group of people. I don't even think Black people in America realize both what, how strong, how powerful, and the global influence that they have had, like in terms of like music, in terms of just just pretty much everything. I don't, I don't even people in the other world, I don't even know if they appreciate that what they are doing is something that came to them from black Americans, but it is. Um, and I think the more you travel and the more you get exposed, the more you realize that. But then again, I realize like, even sometimes I'm, I'm seeing, you know, kids on the block, America dancing, and I'm like, that's straight from Africa, but it's in your bones, it's in your DNA, it's in your blood. Like they try to take it away from you, but they haven't. And you know what? It, you That's a great point that you bring up. I mean, all of that, what you just said, it's just great because we're, especially at this time right now and what, we are seeing and and things that are transpiring here in the, the united states in this country i think it's so important for these lessons to be had with 
African-Americans, you know, in the United States about who they are, where they came from, the strength that we have and not lose ourselves, you know, getting lost in the sauce. Mm -hmm. Like we have seen all this time, like this, I believe that right now we should be having a reckoning where black people really it looked like you know people always saying go back to africa you know we we really should be getting that and using that for for strength and power to know and be empowered to know i run this you know <laughs> and it's like like you may try to do this you know in this country but no we're not going to have this any longer because we have the strength we have the power and i think that's you know you you bring up a great point and you know all the things you were saying is just i was feeling empowered sitting up here right now like yeah yeah you know it's the gift it's the talent like what americans have gifted this world with i don't think we'll ever know fully right mm -hmm. like there's just our our ingenuity, our creativity. I mean, like if you look at Southern Black culture, just in love, like what Southern Black people, the whole quilt making, like history, like what Black women are able to do, nothing. I mean, Beyonce said, you know, turning lemons into lemonade, but it, it goes so much deeper than that. Like, like we we truly are gifts to the world. Yeah, we are, we are, and so you 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 have. You, you've you've taken all of this, you spent all these years, you have all these experiences, and now you have taken and said, hey, I'm gonna share and spread this information and spread the wealth and you have, you know, you have the Jackie O life and you, you are teaching other women, you know, you have opened that platform to teach other women. You're not, you know, cause, one thing I always, people who know me well, I have this saying, I can't stand resource hoggers. People who be hogging up the resource, they know stuff that can benefit other people and they know they can share, but they don't because they feel like, oh, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. It's not enough for everyone. So you have said, hey, this is a good life and other people need to be knowing about that and not only just knowing about okay the great things about okay living here and living there and being like across the the globe and and how you know economic you know economical it is to live in these different places but also to learn learn about their own culture learn about the different cultures and being empowered and, and, and engage others in that knowledge and power so like how did you get to that point where you were like i've got to i gotta bring some other folks in on the ride with this um everybody who hears about my life is like how did you do it like i don't know anybody who did it um give us tools give us resources now i will say there are lots of like black expat black world schooling groups now but for me, what I wanted to bring is kind of my unique perspective of doing it for 25 plus years. And I also wanted to bring the good things like people scroll the gram and they'll see, you know, the black travel movement is huge right now, mainly led by black women. Um, but I wanted people to see the good, the bad, the ugly and to educate themselves. Right. Because the, the beautiful thing about particularly being an American who travels the world is that there are 
privileges having a blue passport, even as a black American, right? Like, and I am a black American with a big, hella difficult African name, right? So mm-hmm. people hear my name, they initially like assume this African girl, and then they see my passport and things completely change, right? Like mm-hmm. change. I start to get some of the privilege that white people experience all the time. And I want African-American people as they travel and explore the world to understand that privilege as well. Cause like you shouldn't be traveling to be a, a, a colonizer, right? Like you shouldn't travel to be an imperialist, right? Like you are struggling for the world, like people of color around the world are experiencing similar struggles. And I want as more people decide, you know, borders are really meaningless in this day and era. It's so important to be global, to think global, um, even though you may be acting locally. Listen, let me bring my little unique brand and twist as somebody who both loves knowledge, who loves culture, who loves understanding, and who is also thriving about because to me, all the struggles, the trials, the tribulations that our ancestors went through and that we are going through now is all about choices, right? The choice to choose the type of life that you want to lead. Now, I am quick to always say moving abroad ain't for everybody. No, it's not. You're right. right. You're and that's right. okay. That's okay. My mama loves her house in the hood. She loves her backyard. She loves all that. She ain't going nowhere. And that's and that's okay. But as long as people know that there are options for them, that's a beautiful thing. And what I want to do, what I provide for them is knowing that this is an option that if you choose to, you can act upon and you can thrive and you can do it the right way. And you can recognize that yes, there are isms all over the world, like white supremacy white dominance, white culture has really screwed up a lot of people in the world. That is actually absolutely true. But the reality is that you can still thrive in other places in the world in ways that you might not be able to in America if you go about the right way. And you can do it in a way that you aren't subjugating or um, upon the rights of indigenous people and people who've been in that country. Because the worst thing you want to do is come to a country with your blue passport and your US dollars and subjugate the people who are there. Like that mm-hmm. is you, like, you just you you passing on the oppression. You yeah, over there yeah, doing exactly. the same you, you trying to do the damn what somebody didn't did to yeah. you. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like we we ain't about that. Like at least I'm not about that. And that's not what I'm about with the women who I am helping inspiring educating um moving abroad. So and it's, it's just fun because I'm building a sisterhood. I'm building a community of women and always say when I first started, I didn't have like a sister girlfriend who mm-hmm. I you know talk about where she gonna travel next and why and um even go and like geek out about like the history of oppression those people of that particular country. And I'm creating that with the women that I work with. Like we we go on we go on everything. We talk about like colorism. Like I see so many people deal, talking about moving to the Dominican Republic. I'm like, you know how colorist they are there? Like <laughs> And that's not saying you can't go, but like yeah. let's be real and like let's have them conversations because yeah. there's countries in the world where like dark skin won't get you far. And that doesn't mean you can't go there, but it just means you gotta understand that and you gotta understand how you can use your privilege for a purpose. So that you aren't again becoming a part of that 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 dichotomy. Mm, mm, and that's I, I like that. Use your privilege for a purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 really good because uh, and, you know you're right because I I wouldn't know the first thing about uh, okay if h- how to pick where to go the first thing about where to 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 find that information you know even 
with Google right here, I wouldn't know what, what to do. And you just like you just mentioned it going to the Dominican Republic. And it's like the only thing that I can remember is, you know, when everybody was going and you're like, so <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. Wait, was it was it the drinks in the in the mini bar? Like, let me know, you know. And so that's all you know the stuff on the surface. But how do you even learn about okay, the, what you just saying? You know, the actual culture. Yes. Because as tourists, we don't we don't really care about the culture. We say we do. Oh, I'm going to you know Spain or I'm going to Africa because I want to know more about the culture. But we go there to know what we want to get out of it. We don't really want you know we don't really dig deep. And I'm not saying we as in everyone, but typically. I'm going for fun in the sun or whatever I can get, get my trinkets to bring back home to folks and say, hey, I went here, but do we really get the culture, you know, and how can we truly get the culture, really embrace it if we're only there a week or two? Yes. And it's, and it's, and it's like you know, getting the nuances and also being, com being comfortable with not knowing all the nuances. And so asking the questions you need to ask of both yourself, which is why I say get super comfortable with your why, but also of other people. Because the thing about, especially, you know, and this is the thing that I, I'm proudest of in my daughter and one of the probably the skill sets that I'm, I'm most trying to instill in her. And I feel like so recently I've done, you know, a pretty good job of it is getting uncomfortable being disoriented, right? Because when you are in a new culture with a new language, new people, new places, new historical context, right? Like there are things that people do, like for me, when I was in Colombia, like the thing that probably deserved the most was blackface. Like blackface is never okay in my mind and you will never change my opinion about that. But yet, you know, I before I, you know, judge when I see even black people in blackface, where I'm like, I say what? And I sat down and I had a conversation with a couple, and you know, my Spanish is good enough that I can't do that, which is why I always encourage people to learn the language as well. Um, and they were saying for them, for black people, it's about reclaiming the power. And initially, you know, I thought about the N word, and the, which is also a word that I don't use, but a lot of black people in America do use it. And they they give the argument of we're reclaiming the power. Like the word was such oneness, it's so filled with negativity and venom that we are reclaiming it back for ourselves. And for Colombians, a lot of Afro-Colombians, that is the same thing that black faces to them. Now, whether you agree with that or not, it's, you gotta have those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta be comfortable having them and listen to them and talking to them so you can understand what that psyche is. Cause like, for me, it was something that was very almost off-putting when you see a dozen people walking down the street in blackface and it's like, what? And some of them are black. Yeah. Like, what the nuts and fruits is going on over <laughs> here? <laughs> like, what is What is going on? And it's literally something you really wanna kind of rip down and you really wanna just say like, you know, throw some blows because, like, ain't cool. Like, it ain't cool. Uh, and I'm not saying that it is cool, but I'm saying that you should be able to have the, you know, those conversations so you can understand other people's um, fight against oppression and how they are responding to it. Because it truly, for them, is a way of taking like the power back. It's a way of owning the narrative of how they have been depicted. Wow. I mean, this is just, uh, I'm telling you, I I'm in school today. And it's, you know, it's Saturday and Saturday schools was usually for the kids who got in trouble and, you know, was trying to make up some time in school because they was ditching and doing all kinds of stuff. But I'm in Saturday school today. <laughs> I am in school. I am in school today. I tell you, I'm in school. And it's just, I mean, I'm glad we had this conversation because 
I'm enlightened because I didn't, I didn't know any of this. I have been truly, uh, I'm going to use the word ignorant. I've been ignorant to all of this because I didn't know it. And I'm saying ignorant because I, I, I didn't even take the time out to learn about it. And, um, and I'm just glad that you are doing with what you're doing and reaching out and especially to black women and making them aware of this and then also giving them the tools and the resources to be able to do it. And so for all of our sister friends who are out there feeling the same way I'm feeling right now, how do they connect with you? Like how do they get into your program or coaching? Or like how do they connect with you? Well, of course, you say is come check out my website. It is www.thejackieolife.com. Same as my Instagram uh, my Instagram handle, which is at the Jackie J A C K I E Life dot com. Um, at the Jackie O Life. I'm sorry, why am I? Um, see, I'm getting all twisted here. At the Jackie O Life dot com, and just come check me out. Reach out to me. There's a contact me form on there. I love getting questions. People always slide into my DMs, um, asking questions, or just post on my uh, my Instagram page. And I'm always just so happy to connect. I love, love, love working with black women i feel like it is definitely has become my passion i mean i, I just love connecting with my sister girlfriends and i love empowering black women because we need that we need more of that um and i know that i always uh, there's always some white woman who always reaches out to me and I, i'm not the coach and i say that because there are resources that white women have that black women traditionally just do not have and yeah, that's so true yeah, and that is what I'm trying to create with, with black women. Most black women that I work with, they don't have anybody in their family who maybe even has left the country, right? Yeah. They're the first joiner. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes they, they have people that haven't even left their neighborhoods. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It truly is. They are truly doing something that's completely outside of the, their cultural norm at all. And that's okay. Like, we talk about it. We work through it. And the key to me is I'm not just telling you, all right, we're going to find a place you're going to move, like, et cetera. I'm giving you the tools to survive, to thrive. Because to me, I always, and this is my tagline, I say, like, you are magical as a Black woman, and your life should be too. Oh, not, you ain't living right. You ain't living right. Wait a minute, wait a minute, say that again, because I think some people need to hear that a double time, you know, they might need to hear it in slow motion, you know, <laughs> like say that again. And I said, you are magical and your life should be too. Mm. I mean, that one right there hit me like a B12 shot. That one hit me, that, that's, that's, that, that did a little, mm. yeah. <laughs> And, it's truly, and, I, and, I, and I'm truly like genuine. And like I said, for all black women, that doesn't mean moving abroad. But it means even small changes in your life to make sure that you are thriving, that you're taking care of yourself, that you are just being attentive to your needs and your wants and your passions. Like if there's something that you are interested in pursuing, it doesn't have to be traveling, it doesn't have to be living abroad. And I talk about that a lot on my, in my blog. It doesn't have to necessarily be moving abroad, but just do something for you. Do something that brings you joy, that sets your soul on fire. I just recently ran a five-day free um, journaling, a journaling challenge with a group of women. And one of the questions was, what sets your soul on fire? And, you know, after we finished journaling, because we journaled for probably about 30 minutes, most of the women looked up and said, I'm not doing any of these things, Jackie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, of course, my question was, well, why? 
Yeah. We all have been there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, cause you like, if it sets your soul on fire, you should like, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the universe. You owe it to God. You owe it to the, the black people who slaved in them cotton plantations to do it. Yeah, we 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 tend to find ourselves in situations where we're doing so many things that sets mm -hmm. other folks' souls on fire. We helping them set get their you know get their goals accomplished and what they want to do that sets their souls on fire, but we're not doing the same for ourselves, especially as black women. <laughs> So, so I tell you, if nobody gets anything else from today, just know, just do one thing in your life, one thing a week that just sets your soul on fire. Like I said, you don't, you don't necessarily have to move abroad. You don't have to do all that much you want to. Like if it's something you want to, make a plan and get it done. But just do, a, a, you know, small thing, whatever it may be. Writing poetry, journaling, whatever it is, do it. Well, i tell you one thing, Jackie. I'm telling my sister friends out here, look, you, you know, if you ain't got your passport, going out there and get it. Oh, yeah. And then we got to get some stamps on that bad boy. And I ain't talking about the blue chip stamps uh, uh, and all them other stamps. <laughs> we we got to get some. We got we to go some places. And I think for myself, I'm like, okay, even if I'm not, you know, living long term in these different places, just knowing that I have that option knowing that i have uh you know the option to where if i say hey you know i want to be on sabbatical and i want to go somewhere for four or five six months i can you know and then if i want to come right on back to this life over here i can and, and i think that's just you know like i said y'all jackie oh and i ain't talking about onassis Okay, we talk about Jackie O, the bomb.com Jackie O. She came, I'm telling you, she, I told you at the beginning she was going to be dropping nuggets, and she came and she dropped these nuggets. And no, we're not talking about you, you don't need tartar sauce or dipping sauce. She dropped these nuggets on us today, and I'm telling you, you guys reach out to Jackie. Jackie, give them, give them your information again. Please. Okay. <laughs> The okay she gave it to you it's it's clear she's done it twice so don't y'all be dming me two three o'clock in the morning time about give me jackie i need jackie O contact i need jackie O information don't you do it <laughs> don't you do it okay but jackie i so appreciate you oh I mean, I am, I am fed, like I, I, I'm full, like up to here. And it, it really put some things in perspective for me um, and looking at what, you know, my husband and I, what we can do, you know, as a couple and moving forward and looking at, hey, this is doable, mm -hmm. you know, you know, waking up and looking out in another country you know, looking at the water as you get up and you saying, have somebody cooking for you and all this, you know, I ain't got to do the cook, you know, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board, <laughs> you know, I'm on board. And, um, but I so appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate that you are, 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 are you know, spreading the wealth and, and you are adding to the value of black women 
in you know across the globe not even i'm not even going to say in this country but a, a, across the globe you are reaching people who really need need you and and i believe that this time at this present time your purpose couldn't be any more needed right now in this particular time so i just i commend you and i thank you for coming on today and sharing the information and and again being a regular sister friend on we own the table yes we do thank you for this opportunity thank you for this platform that you've created because it is definitely needed so bless you bless all the sisters out there watching and just know that anything is possible you are only limited by your mind Ooh. Okay, you hear that? You only limited by your mind. So some of y'all need to get your minds right. All right. So thank you all again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of We Own the Table. And we will check you next time.